If you would, please turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We want to just continue in the Word of God through our book of 1 Peter. Uh, it just uh, continues to, to grow deep and dear into my heart. Uh, we are so glad to have those who are uh, with us by live streaming. And we are still one congregation, even though we may be split up. We're under the Word of God together. The same passage and the same, same teaching. And we're hearing God's voice together at the same time on this day. And so that, that brings us together. And God says where two or three are gathered, He is there. And so we are privileged to be a part of this worship service. I do thank all those who came out last uh, yesterday and and did some decorating. We we tried to do as much as we could. Um, so it was a, a joy and a good time to be together. So First Peter chapter two and verse eighteen through twenty. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable for this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrow when suffering unjustly for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated you endure it with patience but if when you do what is right and suffer for it you patiently endure it this finds favor with God <clears throat> let's go to the Lord in prayer Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to worship together and come together and submit ourselves to this word. We pray that we would glean things today that you would have for each individual, one of us. It is, it is your word and we know that it has full reign and works in the hearts of believers and I pray that it would do so today. Lord, may we apply these things to our heart in the appropriate way uh, to our life and uh, so that you get the glory and the honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a natural thing for uh, the human heart to rebel. Rebellion, we are in a state actually of rebellion against God and any authority. And God has saved us from that rebellion. That's what salvation is, is all about. This week I finished a book about Marxism. It's written by Thomas Sowell. And, and it's about the life of Karl Marx and his teaching in Marxism. He was an ungodly man, an atheist, really. And, uh, but Marxism is, is driven by one principle, by a dominant principle. And it drives society in one way, and that's rebellion. It's characterized by that. Rebellion, revolution uh, against in his day, it was against the um, the bourgeoisie is what he would call it, the upper class, even part of the, the governing class. And it's ruling, ruled uh, or rooted in Hegelian theory. And Hegel was uh, one of his teachers or one of his professors where you have this idea of a thesis, like the status quo, and then you have an antithesis, and then you have synthesis. And the idea here is that you have to have agitation and conflict 
and, and challenge the status quo of society in order for it to progress to the next level and in order to progress to a better society. And so the, the workforce rebellion produces a, a good thing and it's a good thing and it creates a better society. And it's rooted in rebellion. I mean, that's what, that's what it is. Until you reach this level of perfection, this level of, of utopia where there's nothing more to rebel against. You have the rich, the, the, the rich are, are brought down to equal level with the poor, the poor are brought up and everything is on an equal plane. In fact, there's really no real need for government because there's no real need for rebellion again. That's the idea. It's this utopia. They forget that rebellion is in the human heart. That, that utopia will never happen. But this whole idea of change through progression, that's what we see today. Um, and they say would, progression would not happen unless there's rebellion. It's, it's this method of change. Really, it's become a worldview. It's a dominant worldview. Even today, it has a huge, has had a huge impact on our younger generation. It's amazing to me. You have the, the baby boomers, uh, they favored Marxism only about 4%. They saw through it. But the uh, millennials, today you have almost 20% millennials that are in favor of Marxism. That just blows my mind. But you have a whole generation that is um, that has been taught this. For the past probably 30 years in, in college, maybe even more, this method of, of change, uh, in our society. That's why you have riots in the streets. That's why you have this rebellion in our cities. Uh, because they think it's for the best. We're producing a better society. Be, and, it, and it starts with rebellion. But it's rooted really in, in Marxism. But even beyond that, it's rooted in the, in the sinful heart of man. This change through force and, and conquering and, and rebelling and revolution. And that thinking, that kind of thinking, um, has infiltrated mainstream America. And it affects every, almost every relationship, any authority submission relationship. So you have husband and wife relationship, you have parent and child relationship. You have boss and, and worker relationship. And even in the church, if you want change in the church, it has to be kind of an uprising, a rebellion, uh, elder membership, and there's pitting the two against each other. Peter, in this passage, is emphasizing Christians, the, the, the Christian graces of submission and, and meekness. The Christian life is one of a, a tranquil and peaceable life. And it's, it lays a foundation for the gospel. So the gospel can be presented in, in clarity. And the early church, you look at the early church, and the early church has said it turned the world upside down for Christ. And it did not do so by rebellion. And it did not do so by social change at all or moralism in the society at all, but it changed the world, turned the world upside down for Christ by the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Now, Christians find ourselves, we find ourselves losing favor with the world. And then that's not a new idea. Christ said that that is going to happen. But the tendency, our tendency is to 
become like the world in order to win the world, especially today. That's that's what we're being taught. You told you have to become like the world to to be to win the world. But it's just not so. That's not the message of Scripture. It's not what we see in Scripture at all. It's not about rebelling and and change changing by rebelling. We stand against in contrast to the world with strong convictions, but we do so with grace. With grace. Peter is calling the church here to submit. Christians do the opposite of rebelling in society. We submit to those in authority over us. And that's what we've seen. See, Peter is preparing us and preparing the church for suffering. The church in his day in Asia Minor is preparing them for suffering. He doesn't give us as much detail as we would like. He doesn't tell us do this and do that and uh, do the other thing. But he prepares us by pointing out the Christian attitude in difficult situations when facing conflict. The proper attitude of the believer. And in this particular section, Peter is talking about, we saw a couple of weeks ago, it's, he's talked about uh, the government and the submission to the government. And now he's changing the topic to, to slavery. But the overall topic, the overall subject still is submission. This gracious life that the Christian is to live um, and it's not to demand our rights, it's not to rebel, it's not revolt, but it's submission. And we often, folks, in life, cannot control the circumstances of our life. We, we can't. Most of the time, many times, we can't. But we can control the attitude. We can control the attitude through these circumstances. So, the, the point is... That here, here's the, the principle is that submission is to a human agent, but it's really an, an act of faith toward God. It's simply trusting God in every one of our circumstances. The main question, though, is how far do we take this? And, and Peter in this passage seems to be going to an extreme. And we see two elements here, two more elements of, of submission. Um, and that is the command, it, it really an extreme command, an extreme attitude here that we see. And he's, he's kind of pushing the envelope so that we understand the, the level of commitment that we are to really have with Christ, I think. Now look at the first element here. And this is the first, this is an extreme command to submit. An extreme command to submit. We see this in verse 18. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and, and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. The word, first word is servants there. And really, it's not the word slave it's the word domestics, it would be translated domestics, you domestics. Uh, but it's talking about household servants. Now, it's probably more a category of, of slaves. It would be the, the majority of slaves in Rome at that time. But this is the slave in the household. And many times they were exposed to more scrutiny, uh, more supervision and, and the, the dominant will of other people because they were they were in direct supervision. They were they were under the the scrutin, scrutiny eye of, of 
the watcher, the, the people within the house, and they couldn't get away with, with much. And so this is probably talking about more of a, a category of slavery. Um, and the command is simple. It's just to submit, to submit. And in fact, in fact, it goes beyond that. Submit with respect. Respect that position of that master. And the word submit there, we've seen this in the past, is to rank ourselves under. If you join the military, you have to put yourself under. You come in, you're in the lowest, uh, low person on the totem pole, you're submitting to everybody. You're to rank yourself under everyone. The word is hupotasso. And it's just to submit. And the command is very simple. We submit. That's what we do. It's the reaction of the believer. We saw that in the past. But now he's talking about to slaves. And this seems to be extreme to me. Especially in our day. In our understanding. And what we have in our day is people standing in judgment over God about this whole idea of slavery. That God would allow such a, such a thing. So we need to know a little bit about slavery. Slavery existed, exists because of the sinful human heart. That's where it starts, this need to, to dominate and to conquer. But it's in every part of the world. The nations uh, in the world used to, to conquer other nations and enslave them. That's where it came from. It's really from the very beginning. It's always had, we've always had slavery. And it's about controlling and dominating and creating a workforce that somebody works for you. And it's found in every part of the world. Uh, the children of Israel were enslaved to Egypt. You have Babylon and Assyria. You have the Greco-Roman world at this time and when Peter is talking here. And it's not about, it's not the black, the white versus the black. White men didn't invent slavery because of the black men or anything like that. It's not a Western idea. This is a global idea, and we've always had it. It's on every continent, and it has been on every continent. And even the tribes of North America before the white men settled here was enslaving other tribes. It's a condition of the human heart. We need to understand that. Condition of the human heart. Historians tell us that probably half the people in the Greco-Roman world were slaves. They were working for someone else, either a household slave or maybe a, in the field, working in the field. Or they would even have accountants and doctors and cooks that, that would be slaves. And, in fact, the, the economy, the whole uh, ancient world, the economy of the ancient world depended on slavery. The buying and selling of, of slaves. Now, the Bible has a, a little bit of a unique position on slavery. It, it, doesn't, take a, it doesn't take a stand, somewhat. Um, it doesn't condemn slavery in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It doesn't condone slavery either. It just sees it as a reality of life. That's Slavery is, is just here. It's part of man's sinful condition, the sinful heart of man. It's going to happen. 
It doesn't really discuss institutionalized slavery at all. Uh, kidnapping, of course, in the Old Testament to, to produce slave or to, to get a slave force is forbidden in the Old Testament. Some uh, men would voluntarily submit themselves, voluntarily enslave themselves, sometimes because of economic factors. Israel, every seven years, they were to release their slaves, the, the year of Jubilee. And slaves were to be treated in the Old Testament, Leviticus 25, slaves were to, re, to be re, uh, treated with respect and with some dignity. They were re, to be treated as human and not mistreated at all. Slavery is not condemned in the New Testament. Christian slaves are to seek their freedom, lawful freedom. They are not to escape and, and try to flee from slavery, but to free themselves lawfully if they can. That was the passage that was read for us earlier. Paul encouraged Onesimus, this runaway slave who was saved underneath his, his ministry, um, he encouraged him to go back to his master, who was Philemon, and you'll remember the book Philemon. And Paul wrote a letter to Philemon and, and explained the situation to him. Now, within the church, the church began to lose those social distinctions of slaves and, and masters. Uh, they just didn't have any meaning, because even within the church, you could have a slave that might be a, an elder, and there was an equality there, a spiritual equality that, that everyone acknowledged in the early church, of slave and free man. They were equal in the sight of God. And in the teachings of Scripture and the Christian influence was one of the major factors that influenced the emancipation of the slaves, even in our country. I know the, the early church, early, I'm sorry, the early, the founding fathers of America had to deal with this issue early on, right from the very beginning. In fact, it's built into the Constitution that all men are created equal. That would include slaves as well. And they, they were grappling with this. They, it was a huge issue. But if you did away with slavery, you would collapse the economy. And then what would you do with all of these slaves? And, and they were having to think through with. And, of course, it came to a boil uh, at... Uh, a little bit later on, and there had to be a war to conquer this idea of slavery, which is a good thing. Now, Peter is telling us here, though, the Christians are to submit. If they find themselves, they are slaves, and they are Christians, they are to submit themselves to the Master with respect. But how far do you take that? He says, he says, not only to those who are good and gentle. Now, that's the, the slave that, uh, or that would be the master that maybe would be a Christian, that would be coming from a Christian worldview. Uh, he would be gentle or maybe kind-spirited and be gracious, not only to that master, but to those who are unreasonable. And the word unreasonable there is, is crooked, bent. It's the opposite of straight, morally uh, perverted, we might say, uh, and he distorts what is is right and just and deviates from that. And now this is extreme. Even if you have this this domineering, uh, overbearing, strict master, you are to submit yourself to this this master. 
That's just extreme. That would be the hardest place to be in for a Christian who is trying to submit himself to God, to God's will, and he doesn't even have his will. In fact, he has to submit to some ungodly man's will. That would be hard for a believer. And he didn't have the protection of laws that we do today. We didn't have um, the labor unions and the the labor laws that we have today. In fact, he was under the complete control of his master. Ownership, you might say, property. The slave was just a a tool, a vehicle, a a machine to, to dispose of at will. And Peter is... Peter, though, is treating them as a human, as a person, not just a, a tool, not just a, to depersonalize them, dehumanize them, but as a person with an attitude. And here's how you think about things as a Christian, Peter is saying. And what Peter is asking for the Christian slave to do, apart from ethical and uh, ungodly behavior, they are to trust God enough to submit. Enough to submit. Even to an ungodly master. The word submit there is to stay under. Remember, to stay under, rank yourself under, and to stay there, to endure this hardship. And and I think that's what the extreme part is. That's the extreme. Because I think, folks... These extreme difficulties in our life, trials in our life, pain in our life, they expose the heart. It would expose the heart of these Christian slaves. Let me remind you of just a few pages to the left in your Bible in James chapter 1, verse 1. James says this, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. James, by the way, identifies himself as a slave. James, a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ. He says, consider it joy when you encounter various trials. This would be the hardest of the hard kind of trials for any kind of Christian to go through, to not even have a will of your own. You have to, you have to submit your will to someone else's will. He says, he goes on, James says, knowing that the testing of your faith, and that's what's happening here, the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And this should be a trial of this kind of magnitude for these, for these slaves to be in an ungodly position. And what we see is, as believers, the, the level of commitment, the, the level that we are to have as believers, the level of commitment, we'd say, to Christ. Now, frankly, I look at the American Christian today, and I have a hard time seeing them doing this. I have a hard time seeing this level of commitment. Yes, I will submit myself to this ungodly master. But this trial, trials like this, expose our hearts. They they expose the, the level of commitment to Christ. They expose the level of endurance, how much we can endure, how much we can put our keep ourselves underneath this this trial. Exposes the, the level of our faith. Like Joseph, he endured, he was sold into slavery. 
And he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, that's the proper attitude. It exposes the level of, of convictions that are inform, informed by, by God. Do we hold up to those convictions in this extreme situation? Many times, what do we do? We jump ship. We say, forget it. We rebel. We get ourselves out from under any kind of circumstances that are going to be hard on us. But those circumstances, many times, folks, are being used by God to produce within us spiritual growth. Produce within us a, a, an endurance level, a commitment level, a level of strong level of faith and conviction. I like what uh, Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he had to say about this particular passage. He says this, We are like schoolboys who want who would like to evade certain things and run away from problems and tests. But we thank God that He has a large invested interest in us and He knows what is good for us and He puts us through the disciplines of life. He makes us learn the multiplication tables. He, we are made to struggle with the elements of grammar. Many times that are trials. Many things that are trials to us are essential that we one day will be found without spot and wrinkle. We have to remember that Christ is purifying His church. And He is going to do so with trials, even extreme trials. And we see this as an extreme trial. So how do we apply this? I mean, we, we're not slaves. None of us are in that kind of bondage. We don't have that extreme of a, a burden to, to bear. But we do have a labor force. We are part of a, a labor force. Now, within that labor force, we have checks and balances. And, and we have laws that oversee that. And we understand that in a society, you have to have, in any society or organization, you have to have order, and, and that takes authority and submission. And we understand that, so we put ourselves under. But I be- believe that this is, for many of us, or many Christians, that this is where the rubber meets the road. When pain comes into the situation, when it, when it becomes hard on me, when, when I become the victim of, of suffering, one who is under the trial and the hardship. I want to get out. Instead of trusting the Lord and keeping myself under that, I, I want to revolt. I want to rebel. Hardship and pain have a, an ability to expose the human heart. Expose the human heart. We know in church history that persecution is used to purge the church to get rid of those who are weak-hearted and don't have the, the right faith, the proper faith, the faith that will endure. And many times, even just the threat of persecution, many in the church will jump ship and no longer be part of the church. The question is, is can we endure for Christ? Can we submit ourselves for the sake of the gospel under those trials, under those testings? To expose our faith. Is it genuine faith or do we have a dead faith that really doesn't work? A shallow faith that, that would never save anyone, according to James, if you look at the kind of faith that we are to have. 
This extreme exposes exposes our faith. And sometimes the Lord will bring problems in our workplace, problems in our job, or a place of employment for our own spiritual growth. And definitely for evangelism. And we have to be very careful about just removing ourselves. Jumping around just to avoid conflict. We, we put ourselves under. We submit. We submit. And it's for our own good many times. It's an extreme, in my view, it's an extreme position to submit. It's an extreme command from Paul. Number two, we have an extraordinary attitude. Now, it's one thing to submit. It's another thing to have the right attitude in that submission, isn't it? Peter is talking about godly submission. There has to be a godly heart there in, in this submission. Look at verse 19. For this finds favor. This finds favor. If, and here's the condition, if the condition for, for godly submission If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrow when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if you do what is right and suffer for it, you endure it, this finds favor with God. Now, there's three conditions, we might say, for Godly, uh, godly submission, godly submission. And, and folks, this is where I believe that it takes a work of God in a person's life to produce this. I think that this is the this is where the genuine believer has to have. And Peter's, I think, putting this down here for our clarification. So there's no misunderstanding here, because there can be a, an ungodly submission. But Peter wants a, a godly submission. There's three elements. Let me just go through these quickly. Godly submission is motivated by a desire to please God. It's motivated by a desire to please God. Look at the first phrase here. Uh, for, for this finds favor. This finds favor. The word favor there is grace. I want God's grace on my life. I want God's favor on my life, and I will seek after it. I will put myself under. I will do whatever it takes to seek His, to seek His favor. The desire to please God. Have His grace upon my life. It's like a, a son trying to please his father. That's what they do. They, they want to, they want to hear that. We, we all want to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he goes on to say, if for the sake of conscience before God. This is a heart issue. Conscience before God or conscience to God. A person bears up under this sorrow. There's pain involved when suffering unjustly. Man, there's a lot in that. But that's a proper attitude. Proper attitude. And it's motivated. It's motivated to please God from the from pleasing God. Number two, godly sorrow is is not because of sinful behavior on our part. It's not because of sinful behavior on our part. Look at verse 20. He, he just, for clarification's sake, he wants to be clear here, 
Peter does. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? Now, what you see here is this drama. Oh, oh I, I'm putting myself under here and, and I'm, I'm being patient here. But you're, you, you're being persecuted because of your own sin. Because of your own laziness. Because of your own disobedience or, or maybe rebellion. Oh, but I'm patient here. And, and there's drama here. The idea is just drama, self-focus, self-pity, victimhood here. Maybe some self-righteousness. There's patient endurance here, but there's gossip as well. So you could tell people, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got this burden, and, but it's your own fault. Sometimes we, we deserve it. If we are in obedient disobedience to an employer, there's no favor with God. There's no favor with God there. If, if it's sinful rebellion on our part, if we're not, if we're lazy and we're not doing what we're told to do and we're, we're suffering for it, that's not honoring to God at all. So there's another element, a third element to godly submission. Godly submission desires to do right. There's a love in the believer's life. There's a love for righteousness. And you see that at the end of verse 20. But if you do what is right. Now there's our, our key word. If you do what is right and suffer for it. You patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. This finds favor with God. And that's what we want. We want favor with God. The, the, there's a big difference, folks, between suffering because of our own sinfulness and suffering for the sake of righteousness, because we are obedient, because we did the right thing. There's a huge difference there. And here's what I think is interesting, too, is that God sees it as more important for me to submit and to keep myself under this this ungodly master, that's more important than me protesting, me rebelling, me getting angry and, and, and taking myself out from under this uh, situation. I like what MacArthur says in this, in his commentary. He says, favor with God is found when an employee treated unjustly accepts his poor treatment with Faith in God's sovereign care, rather than responding in anger and hostility, uh, con- uh, contending and contention and pride and rebellion. It's better for me to stay under that situation and submit ultimately to God than to, than to lash out in anger and hostility and discontentment and pride and rebellion. Folks, what we want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want God's evaluation on our life, not someone else's evaluation on our life. Now, just by application here, we have work situation. And we have difficulties. We have problems at work. Many times we do. And we have to ask ourselves three questions just in light of what we said here. It's very, very clear. The first question is, am I seeking God's glory? Am I seeking God's glory? Or is it all about self? My laziness, my rebellion, my anger, 
I'm not liking what I'm doing? You have to ask yourself that question. The second question you have to ask is, is it my sinfulness? Is my sinfulness involved? Is sin involved? And where is my part in the sinfulness? And the third question you have to ask, do I desire to do right? Do I desire to do right? Folks, we have a world that is demanding its rights. They're rebelling and demanding their, their rights. Christianity and Christians are to live gracious lives. Quiet submission to authorities. Folks, that's how we're going to stand out. It's not going to be by rebellion. We endure whatever God brings our way. Now, are, are there circumstances, are there times that we, that we take ourselves under, out from under poor situations, bad situations? Yes, there are those times. But not until we have been patient, we have demonstrated faith in God, love for God, loyalty to God, There are times that we must submit. Submission is to a human agent, but ultimately it's an act of faith toward God. And it's trusting God in every one of our circumstances. Even an extreme command of of submitting to an ungodly master and showing extraordinary attitude of submission. Folks, if we're going to suffer... We're going to suffer. Make sure it's for the cause of Christ. Make sure it's for the, the sake of righteousness. Now, a slave is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. We we, we see this, and we, we're trying to squelch it. And on a global level, there still is slavery, but but it's not as much, is not as prevalent as it used to be. Slavery is not a good thing. But, Neither is rebellion. And in God's eyes, rebellion is worse than than slavery. Keep yourself underneath that. Even even if it's an ungodly master, and we submit for the sake of Christ. But here's the thing. God can do amazing things. God can do amazing things when we submit. And what you see from the early church, the early church, they submitted themselves to ultimately to God. They submitted themselves to those who were ruling over them. Ungodly king, ungodly emperor, killed some of them. In fact, Peter and, and Paul were killed a couple years after this. But the church, the early church, just continued to submit. And the Lord gave them favor, not through rebellion but through submission. Now, ultimately, ultimately, who is the example of our submission? And submission, it's Christ, isn't it? Christ submitted. We're going to look at the life of Christ. But just remember, God can do amazing things when His people are living by faith and submitting to Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we... We thank you for your word. It's, it's just very simple. And Lord, it's, it's not difficult to understand. 
But sometimes it's difficult to do it. Lord, we don't like trials. We don't like extreme. We don't like pain and suffering. We don't like those things. We don't like a harsh world. Lord, we recognize, though, that sometimes you put us in those circumstances for testing, to expose that, that sinfulness in our heart. Sometimes you put this, keep us in that difficult situation for our own spiritual growth. Lord, may we learn the lesson well that you have for us. Lord, sometimes you just want, to, want us to be an example to the world. Sometimes it's just for evangelism's sake. That's why you have us here to, to bring the world to Christ, to point to Christ. And Lord, if it takes our suffering and our submission to do that, then I pray, Lord, bring, bring that within our life. Lord, may you be glorified. May we... May we seek Your glory first and foremost in our life. Seek to please You. Lord, may we seek Your righteousness. And we thank You, Lord, for even the possibility, even the prospect of being used by the God of the universe that would even take notice of us. Thank You, Lord. And and to use us would be our highest and greatest privilege, even if it means our submission to to the hardships of, of life, circumstances that You bring into our path. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.